Greed by people in power will can't help but generate the growing of the money that is beneficial to the people. With that as a model, is there anything as perfect that you can yeah, exactly. draw between, like kind of what you just said, like, is yeah, it yeah, that yeah. perfect? <laughs> will it always, no, yeah. so, will yeah. the Bitcoin machine always go eat the methane? Yes. Hey everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Who do we have here tonight, Dan? We have Katie. Katie, do uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Katie. I'm Mike's friend. Um, I had like a... Um, I can introduce myself like from a financial context, like who am I financially? You don't um, have to. Actually, I prefer you introduce who you are, just basically a, a, a very small background and then where where you are in the world right now. That's how I'd like you to start. <laughs> but can my small background be from a financial context? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Of course. You choose to introduce yourself. To get okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I was raised um, very, like I, I thought I was middle class, but I was, I was sort of raised in a financial context where I was never denied anything that I would ask for, like a dance class or a summer camp but I was often pulled out of those things like mid class um, because my dad hadn't paid, but I, but, and, but then he would pay and then I would go back to class. Um, so I just feel like that's like a good context of like, I don't know, the, the financial privilege that created my relationship to money was just like, I always felt I had anything I wanted, but I was always very aware that, that um, my dad, my, my dad's an architect and he, worked from home in the middle of the house in like a office in the living room and so like he would work and then there would be money and then I would get anything that I asked for and I wasn't like asking for ridiculous things but you know stuff like dance classes and summer camps like I remember talking to a friend at one point and and my friend being like I really want to go to photography camp and me being like go and him being like my parents won't pay and I was like what that's unheard of don't parents just pay um so your but, relationship with money your relationship with money is basically it's been sort of given to you but I knew that it was money like I didn't think that it was um just this like ubiquitous like I can do anything I want it was like you didn't take it for granted yeah but it's it's like I did take it for granted but I knew it was money <laughs> like if that makes okay. sense okay you knew the value of uh what you were asking for like it wasn't just i want to do something it happens you knew that there was yeah. a cost okay. yes and and the the weird part of it though and this this was like i don't know just in in the rambling I, I listened to an episode of your podcast and i was like this is what i this is how i'm going to contextualize who the hell i am as just okay. the girl who's going to start from zero 
and ask you guys a bunch of questions because I know nothing about crypto. That's why I'm here to ask all the questions as the person who literally knows nothing. Um, But yeah, so money for me is, is um, there was very, even with this, these like moments where I would be like literally pulled, I was pulled out of college classes, like even at that age, because my dad hadn't paid. Um, But there was no question in my mind of like, well, maybe I should be paying for college myself. It was just like, oh, this sure. is how money works. My funny artsy dad doesn't pay. Mm. <laughs> and, and then I... Okay, so, yeah. So <laughs> let's start with what is your biggest... Like you said, you know nothing about crypto. So when you hear the term Bitcoin, mm. what is your biggest question? Or what? what is the biggest... How do you try to differentiate between you know, the dollars you're using every day mm. versus what this, you know, this crazy movement call, whatever you want to call it, all of them might be correct. Like, what is your biggest question or misunderstanding or what, what do you want to know? Like, what, what would be the first question you would ask? Yeah. So um, can I back up from the question? Sure. sure. Okay. So when I think about wealth and i think about what money is for um it's like what yeah how do i well okay so the simple answer to your question is i think when i think of bitcoin i think it's a way to make your money bigger just like any investment where you put it away and because it is a small part in a big hole, it grows <laughs> because you make the agreement with the institution, whatever it is, Bitcoin or like a bank or whatever, to not touch it for an amount of time, it grows. And then you have more. That's like my basic sure. understanding of all investing. <laughs> sure. And my relationship to savings is that I sell vintage clothes. I get some cash. I get some Venmo. I put the Venmo in my account. It pays for my car insurance. (laughs) My rent is $200. Like my relationship to money is like, I have very little money anxiety and I have very little money. Okay. That makes sense. So So, I don't really think about making it bigger. I just think about being like, huh, this is working. (laughs) So in the, in the sense that you, when you say you make your money bigger, like you increase your total account size. And you mentioned something as well. It's like you have this agreement with this institution not to sell. So that's where it's different. So when you have, you know, a bunch of dollars, whether it's in a bank account or you have like a Charles Schwab investment account, you have these investments in um, companies, ETFs, which represent a lot of companies, bonds, which are like these, debt instruments that pay interest what that's not what bitcoin is and that's there's no instant i mean there is like when people talk about buying on coinbase they're they're buying from these large exchanges but in reality what bitcoin really is is there is no institutions involved if you're doing it the way that it was designed so you own that what it is is you have this public ledger this public ledger is a representation that of it's replicated um, data set of all of the transactions that have ever taken place and who owns each Bitcoin. Um, do you follow that, Katie? Do you follow that? 
um, yeah, let me explain. Let, yeah, let him get a little. I mean, yeah. no, but yeah. I, you know, yeah. he'll. It's, it's, yeah. it's complex. So you have. I'll ask the. I'll ask questions, Mike. I will. Ask, when I'm lost, I will be like you're speaking in code. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Tens of thousands of computers around the world that all have the same exact amount of information on it, and that information is every transaction that's ever taken place since Bitcoin was incepted in 2009. So every time somebody spends it, every time somebody receives it, it's recorded on a ledger, which is similar to what a company, a bank, somebody would have on their accounting balance sheet. You're hitting your microphone. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can I, can I interject? <laughs> yes. So in addition to that, this network, that's all it's good for. That's all it does. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just, just recording. Just to record where the transactions are in space and time. Yes. Okay. So, that's, so, wait, so, so, so when you say transactions, you mean the like the buying of Bitcoin when it is low, for example, and the selling of Bitcoin when it is high? No. no. Okay. What do you yeah, mean that, when you say that, transactions? That is also I'm, part of it. Yes. That's part it's of like it. Like anytime somebody buys. If I give you two two Bitcoin for something, that is recorded. For something, for... are you like? Do you have a Bitcoin debit card that you're buying coffee with? You can. I mean, that's an option. Okay, so I really don't most, know. Yeah, so go back. I don't know time, what you mean by transactions. Most of the time, the way it's in mm. practical sense would be you have an app on your phone and you scan okay. a QR code. And once you scan that QR code, you've made a transaction. Once it's accepted, a QR code in the world, like on a lamppost. A, a lamp post on somebody else's phone on another computer screen. It can be anything that can generate an, an invoice in the form of a, a QR code. So, wait, wait. Be, so, give me more context. What are you, so? What are you purchasing by scanning a QR code? Anything that the other person is selling. Okay. Anything. So, yeah. so basically, there's no debit card. There's your phone, and there's people selling. I'm just going to keep using this metaphor. Well, I'm, I'm going to say a t-shirt because that's my business right now. I sell vintage. So I could say, pay me in Bitcoin and show someone yes. my QR code and they would pay me Bitcoin. Yes. You would and receive Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference is that when you do it with, you know, dollars, for example, instead like when you do the, like a, a credit card transaction or a debit card, instead of a cash transaction, for example, mm -hmm. when you get cash, you are receiving the physical dollars for the, uh, the t-shirt and you put that in your register, your pocket, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do with it. If you do it with a debit card, so you do it digitally, right? That's going yeah. to a bank account. Yeah. When, a, when you do a Bitcoin transaction, it's going to you. So your phone may have a wallet on it when you download an app, or it may have a app that represents or <clears> excuse <throat> me, that is connected to a computer you have at home that has a wallet on it. So okay. that money, that Bitcoin, for example, is going straight to your app wherever you control it instead of some bank account somewhere. It's okay. Similar, it's similar to receiving that physical cash in your hand, except for it's digital. So you are getting it directly instead of it going to some bank account. Where it's but that, that's a that's so a wait, that's a hard concept to. But wait, to yeah. So let me ask grab. you this. So, so you have a you have a Bitcoin wallet, and it has Bitcoin money or Bitcoin, and um don't see Mike just laughing. <laughs> um this is why I'm here. I'm not I don't know anything. Oh sure. That's good. That's... <laughs> I don't know any of your jokes. <laughs> um 
I'm very I'm I don't want to jump, but I'm very I'm I'm more no I'm very interested in um in the this the spiritual aspect of this as well, and I don't mean that in a making fun of it way. Sorry, I smiled and oh, laughed when I said that. I literally am very interested. That's like I'm very interested. Anyway, um, okay, so hold on. You have your your wallet, which is an app, and you keep your Bitcoin in it. And is that wallet a volatile thing that goes up and down? So let me let me clarify really quickly. So, so a lot, of, and this is a, a common misconception that even people who have Bitcoin think you don't actually have the Bitcoin in your wallet. So try to follow me here. Yeah. The Bitcoin, that transaction that I told you that this, you know, this these tens of thousands of computers around the world are maintaining that exact copy of the same ledger. Yeah. Had the recording of that transaction you just made. Yeah. The address of the address that you control is on that public ledger, but there is a second component to it, which is called a, a key, a private key that nobody knows except for you, but only you, when you use that wallet software to transact, it that key signs the transaction, and that's a cryptic, that's a cryptographic function that most people don't even I don't even understand fully but, but it keeps it happens, you safe it happens within that um that software I, I, can and I can the, I so you control that address that's public for everybody to see okay so I, I'm following like, but I need to go back and ask for one context what when you talk about these um uh transactions what are what are what are you buying is this all your money all the time like are you guys buying everything anything you want to buy anything that if you just want to give bitcoin to somebody if you're, you can buy literally anything that you would want to sell it's just like a dollar like if you want to sell a t-shirt if you want to sell a service but i'm talking about you what like tell tell me just for my uh well we, we i'm don't, like a, yeah. we're, we're not sitting here buying stuff with bitcoin too much because we believe That's, in it so much that's what I thought, though. So I, so, we use fiat to buy things, well, I bought and we use we use today, Bitcoin to to I save. Beer, well, yeah, Dan is I in a place where Dan is in a place where you can spend Bitcoin too. So okay, it, so so in a in a society where where everyone is using Bitcoin as cash, sure, sure. it would work, is what you're saying. If everyone was participating. Yeah. But, but so the, what I'm, what I'm like reaching to comprehend is like, I talked to Mike on the phone a couple weeks ago and he was like, having discovered how to invest in Bitcoin and like participate with Bitcoin has given me more money and more time. Okay. Yeah. So, the, so that aspect of it. But but I but relating to, back to like the wallet and the Bitcoin transaction, like is the like where you where you are in a in a context that in a society that is currently using Bitcoin like cash sounds like where you are physically in the world. Yeah, um, I get that that it's like it's like cash in your phone, but stepping back from that since. Maybe I don't just don't notice it, but I don't see that happening yet. Sure, yeah, Where it's I am. common uh, in other parts of the world. So, 
if you go into any coffee shop, any store, you pay for whatever it is with dollars typically. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the thing about Bitcoin is like, if they, if the people at that store or the company that runs that store decided to accept Bitcoin instead of dollars, yeah, it would they work. could. So it's, you know, if you can find somebody and say, hey, I know this costs $2, but can I pay you in Bitcoin instead? And they agree to do it. Mm -hmm. You can use that as well. Totally um, got it. So it's, it's a voluntary opt-in. Uh, but so with yeah. like stepping back from that, what, how does the growing your dollars into more dollars by using Bitcoin? Yeah. Work? So the, so Bitcoin, uh, the way it's built, there will only be 21 million ever created. And right now there's about 19 million and there, and so much is mined uh, about 6.25 come into creation about every 10 minutes as it's mined. And we can get into mining later, but that's a part of how it's created. My so, friend has a noisy computer in his spare yes, bed. That's exactly. my contract of mining. Yes. So because there's only 21 million ever, and there is currently somewhere in the line of, I don't know the exact number, but it's you know, at least several hundred trillion US dollars. But those, those US dollars grow exponentially and at different rates every day. So if you try to contextualize it, if there's trillions and trillions of dollars growing every day, and there's only 21 million Bitcoin every day, the value of dollars to Bitcoin over time, each individual Bitcoin becomes worth more dollars. So it's like yeah, okay. a monopoly. If you just increase the amount of money that everybody has the monopoly, well, that property, as you're going around and, and trying to buy uh, little properties on the monopoly board, the more money you introduce into the game, the more the more money expensive it gets. Become worth. Yeah, the more expensive it gets. Similar to inflation, because they create more money, gas mm -hmm. prices go up. Every everything goes up in price. So those bitcoins. They have an exchange rate for dollars if you were going to sell them for dollars at some point in the future. Okay. And if the dollars increase in number over time, the value of each individual Bitcoin grows in value of dollars over time. So if you hold, if you have two Bitcoin to your name, and right now they're worth about $16,500 each, you know, 10 years from now, they could be worth $500,000 each or a million dollars each. Or they could go down in shorter periods of time. So there's that. Volume. But they they only move in the value of them only moves in relationship to the value of the currency you're trying to turn them into. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. because they stay they're the thing that stays the same. Yeah. So there because there's a limited supply. It's like having a diamond or some gold or some oil or gasoline. As the dollar value of that changes to a limited supply of something yeah that's what your exchange value is so when he says that his, he's growing his his dollars or his time um what he's saying is you know his if he has two bitcoin and it goes to 10 million dollars uh each for example is like a high example like a high number well that you're buying yourself a lot of time because now if you have 10 million dollars and you had thirty thousand dollars today 10 million dollars tomorrow or you know 10 years in the future well, now you have a lot more time because you don't have to work anymore. Okay, so there's not this like abstract magical thing going on when you say Bitcoin has shown me how to have more time. It's just that 
the experience uh, of having more money and having uh, exactly you have well when that's how you tie (laughs) money to time in a big way right yes so money is time just if i have more money completely if you have more money you have more time but also you know and this was something that i I thought was interesting from my context is like Mm -hmm. i create more time by excusing myself weirdly from certain games that society seems to think we all by definition of just like being alive we must be playing these games like i somehow just have the expectation to and then continue to find really insanely cheap places to live in really cool places right and that's your way of buying more time yeah so I think it's in, like the I, when I hear from what I gleaned from the episode that I listened to you got from you guys. Which talking episode, about, by the way, did you listen to? Do you remember? The one you recommended uh, where you were like, this guy is really famous in the Bitcoin community. And it was really cool that he came on our episode. Um, Eric <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I tried to keep myself like weirdly as like dumb as possible. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like look this up. I'm not gonna look this up. I'm just sure. gonna, like, I'm just gonna make them tell me because in that episode, and I know like I'm not your, I'm not this podcast's audience. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I wanted to learn about Bitcoin, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. By any means, podcast, no. You guys are just like having such a great time, and you just want to hang out with the topic. Um, no, this is good because it's like we are normally talking to the other cult members. And yeah. And it's a challenge to interpret or to translate some of this, uh, you know, jargon to yeah. a person who is literally wants to learn and you have to explain it in a basic level. Well, I want to talk more about like, like basically I want to, I want to leave this conversation like understanding bitcoin first of all but also it's hard to do in one round though by the way it's very hard to do you can have me back (laughs) you can be like katie now is she was at zero and now she's at four we're gonna do (laughs) it again (laughs) um if you want but um but the one thing i i was just like personally interested in um i don't know i'm personally interested in bitcoin too but um worrying money uh but what i what i was interested in too was like the way that you were talking about the spiritual aspect sounded, I'm going to say this in like a potentially insensitive way, but you can like unpack it. But it sounded to me like people who have so much money anxiety that they can't possibly comprehend ever not having that much money anxiety, finding a way to not have money anxiety. And as a consequence, having enough space in their um in their psyches for joy <laughs> and that equaling spirit, spirit spiritual experience no totally um <laughs> which and the way you were talking about it, it it was like well obviously everyone and okay i have to check myself too because I don't have that much money anxiety, but I don't think you're wrong in assuming that like most of the world does or like a huge right. amount of the world does. But sure. I think like in like you were talking about um uh what I was glean okay, I'm gonna stop talking in a second, but I just wanna give back sort of like what I was hearing from you and then you can be like, yes. But it was like um 
essentially like in a world where everyone was participating in Bitcoin. And this is the part that I don't really understand specifically, but in the, in a world where everyone was participating in Bitcoin, everyone would have autonomy over their money in a way that our current ways of, of, of growing wealth don't give us autonomy. And this is a way to grow wealth with autonomy, which would then equal joy for people who need monetary wealth to feel. Let's use an example like Argentina, Turkey. There's like these, you know, these other countries, not the United States. The United States has inflation. It's, it's problematic where the prices are rising. But in other countries, it is significantly more of a problem. So I think Argent, you know, Turkey has like 86% inflation, or they did at one point in the past year. So imagine that everything that you go out to buy, your food, uh, gas for your car, the, the utility to heat your home, is going up by 86% on the year. So your $200 rent goes up to, you know, almost double. And, and you're not making more money. You're, you're making the same amount. At work. Yeah. So your, your, your time and your effort, your energy is all going towards working to pay for bills that are just growing much faster than your uh, salary. Then time you can give to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And this is occurring in part because the way that countries, uh, national policies towards managing their money, managing their um, energy policy with the way that they're trading with other countries, they're mismanaging it. And most of the time it benefits the elites of that country. So the people who have access to the, the, the new money that's coming out of those banks, those central banks, it benefits them. They they get they have the ability to buy more real estate, buy more companies, buy more uh, commodities, buy more just all the resources that people require to to function every single day. Uh, so the the regular people, the regular citizens, they are the victims of that type of policy. So if you have a money that can't be manipulated in the sense that they can just create more of it to benefit themselves at the expense of everybody else. Then the time that you put in at work, the time that you, or the money that you save, it is preserved because that limited amount of it, it can't be inflated. Yeah. So, you, so what you can purchase in terms of all of your essentials and everything else, uh, it's that purchasing power grows. So if you have uh, one Bitcoin and that Bitcoin is growing in value relative to the currency that you use, well, also, everything that you have the ability to purchase becomes cheaper in relation to that Bitcoin that you own. So now so you're basically tying if, if your money is Bitcoin, your money is tied to the. It's that like, limited supply. So everything's growing except for that amount of Bitcoin. So, but the amount of things that you can buy in the relation of that currency is going up. So if you have, you know, yes. the ability to. Yeah. So this thing that happens where people are like, I can't think of the numbers, but when, when it's like, um, uh, yeah, I can't think of the names of the currencies I've heard, but where people are just like wheelbarrows of, yes. of currency. The Venezuelan Bolivar. Yeah. Or, yeah. This is a great example. So yeah. Like, you know, there's some countries where like some people have billions of units of that currency, but they can't even afford, you know, a, a, a gallon of gas. 
for their car with billions and billions of their local currency. So if so if you imagine that you had the ability to buy everything that you needed to survive, to pay your rent, to have a vehicle, to pay for all of your expenses, plus some, and you were like saving, the amount of time that you would have to pursue your passions, to think about life, to consider the deeper aspects and to kind of- To even comprehend how to get your country out of the situation it was in one citizen at a time. Yeah. Or even just at an individual level to just think about life at a much deeper level because you're not so focused on just surviving. Yes. You have that ability to grow spiritually, philosophically, personally, you know, whatever. You you, you could start a family. Yeah. So basically the, the, the equivalent of- of someone in the U.S. who has the right. privilege of time to be able right. to comprehend that there might be cheap rent somewhere, going out to find the cheap rent and having a spiritual time. And, yeah. and, and so that spiritual journey, that's very personal. is whatever yeah. that means to you, but whatever you would be able to think about and do and pursue if you didn't have to worry about spending X amount of hours a day just to survive, that would, that's the journey that you can travel that most people around the world, especially in developing countries, um, that, that they're kind of missing out on if they're just, you know, they're working 80 hours yeah. a week just to feed their family. So it's a, it's a hack of the system that says uh, the powers that be will have the power over your money. Correct. So it's like the powers that be can do what they're doing. Right. And meanwhile, you your money right. is still your exactly. money. It's like so, the dream of the person who hid their cash in their mattress and thought that that was sure, the way. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, yeah. so what, the reason that Bitcoin is uh, so attractive to many people is that instead of, there, there's, there, there's no government, there's no political entity that controls it. It is an open system that anybody can participate in, anybody can mine it, quote unquote, you know, talked about the computer anybody can buy it anybody can accept it for payment there is no all you need is an internet connection and and uh right and a phone or something you don't you don't even need that yeah like you can use just you know if you have cell signal there's now like i was at a conference today and there is an individual from or a company from africa who has created a way to just use it so you can send a text instead of having internet connection because they don't have reliable internet connections in Africa. And this is like the country with the most Bitcoin transactions day to day is Nigeria. So that, that, and the fact that no bank has control of it. So like a bank could you know, turn off your account if you violated a law or you just violated some sort of social norm that is offensive in your culture. Um, if a bank wanted to deny you from sending money to another country because they think, oh, you're sending money to this country, that's strange, it might be a yeah. scam, we're going to block this. None of that applies to Bitcoin. It's not censorable by these um, centralized, typically politically motivated entities. It is, it's peer-to-peer. When I, when I say, like, I send it from my wallet on my phone to your wallet on your phone, it, that's exactly what's happening. It's going from me to you. There's no individual entity that's kind of gatekeeping or central. It's going. It's not going through them. It's going from okay. me to you. Just similar so, to cash, but digitally. So, my 
so okay going back to my perception and you're going to explain to me what it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) um when i asked you so in your wallet is that like not changing or is that volatile i now understand okay yeah that that bitcoin is all is is moving in relationship to the currency that you want to turn it into so in the sense of the wallet the wallet really isn't volatile in itself the wallet is just holding the keys to that public address the price as it's going up and down relative to the dollar the euro the the japanese yen that is happening in a global market so that value is going up and down just just like the value of you know a you know gasoline for example yeah gas in your car is not volatile but the price that it represents that's shown yes. on the screen at the gas station is going up. So every time you go to fill up, when you have to buy it at that specific moment in time, that might be a higher or lower price. But once you have it, it's that you know that gas you can use yeah, that gas to power your it, car. It's it's like houses across the world didn't get three times more valuable. Like they didn't get three times bigger. Right. You know, they just. Got they just it's got more expensive. Changed. The dollar amounts change in circulation, which means there's more people with more dollars that can come and say, I'm willing to pay double what you paid two years ago. Yeah. But the do- your house didn't change. So and that's similar to the Bitcoin in your wallet. The Bitcoin doesn't change. Yeah. But what you can sell. The asset for it remains what it is. Yeah. Right. So the dream of those within the cult would be that it wouldn't be important to turn it back into exactly. currency yeah. that everyone would just be like, fuck that currency. Yes. Let me, trade. <laughs> let me <Fuck> trade <laughs> my <laughs> Bitcoin for that t-shirt. And now you have a little bit of Bitcoin that you can trade for food and you can trade yes. for rent because your landlord so, accepts Bitcoin. So in the short term, you would say, well, the Bitcoin price was this today, 16,000. Maybe it'll be, 20,000 in a month and maybe it'll be 10,000 in a month. That's kind of a, a wild swing. But over the next five years, 10 years, based on the way it's been moving since its inception, it's you know projected by most people to be somewhere in the range of 100,000 to 500,000, up to a million in 10 years. I, I have to the dollar. Yeah, to, to the dollar. To the dollar, but it, it basically the longer the the longer you hold it, the more valuable it gets. Right. So, to someone who has no investments and doesn't understand the way the stock market works, or and is you know, you know, I'm smart, but I'm not interested in sure. the abstraction. Yes. If mm. that makes sense. So. So. What. Um, the difference? No. What? Um, I just use the stock market as the example to be like thing that I also don't understand. So um, yeah, before, you, before you answer that question, let me let me make the distinction between Bitcoin and the stock market. So the okay, stock market, you want to be really good <laughs> at stocks, right? Like you have to study a company, understand, yeah. manages it. How are uh, okay? How yes. Because it's part of somebody succeeding, and if that becomes yes. more valuable, then your piece of that becomes more valuable. 
So, so for you to invest in that, you have to spend a lot of time it. studying that company okay. to understand if they're going to actually be worth your time and money to invest in. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bitcoin is more of a, it does the average person shouldn't have to spend that much time studying every single company in the world to determine which is the best to invest in. Because but with Bitcoin, don't you have to study like politics in a way? Don't you have to understand what's going on with the currency that you, I mean, I know in a perfect world you wouldn't have to because no. it would be Bitcoin. But you don't, you don't have to, but it becomes sort of an offshoot of it. You start yeah. to, you start to understand the importance of understanding those things. You don't have to. So, so the, the way that the currencies and politics work, there's never been a country or a, you know, when I say central bank, so it's like the Federal Reserve or the Bank of China or the Bank of Europe. There's never been one of those in the history of time that didn't inflate and increase their money supply mm. um, to to value or to benefit the people in charge. There's no, I mean, okay, wait, happen. so... So the predictions of the value of Bitcoin growing are based on the assumption that the people at the top will continue to try and make a profit. Yes, exactly. So if you believe that it is likely that the people in power will always be trying to make a profit, then you believe that your Bitcoin will go up. Exactly. So basically the success of, I see, I see what, I see how where it gets spiritual. (laughs) So basically the success of this currency that will give the power to the people is tied to the people uh, is tied to the people of power shooting themselves in the foot by wanting continually more and more power and accidentally growing the power of Bitcoin. Exactly. Okay, that I understand now. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, it's harnessing the power of human greed. greed to benefit the little guy. And they can't stop being greedy in order right. to stop that. It's incentives. It's just incentives. That's a spiritual thing, right? Like you are understanding yeah. the incentives of the people who have power they're corrupt and they're going to always try to benefit themselves. Yeah. And you're, and you're co-opting that to benefit you at, at, while they're being corrupt. Yeah. So the only thing that they could do to not have this currency grow would be to stop being greedy, which they can't do. That's, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Um, God, I have, I have that. I understand that part now. Um, so my next, my next query is, um, okay. So, so let's say I want to join the game. What, what is like, what happened, you know, like what, how do you, what, how do you begin? What do you do? Mm-hmm. And, and like, what is a scenario of um yeah like tell tell me a story yeah I I will say there there are lots of ways okay there are many ways but there are a few few correct more right paths (laughs) okay and this is 
this is why it's such a captivating and it captures your imagination and your spiritual side because because it is an open source network and open source technology there are basically unlimited ways that you can express your express yourself through using Bitcoin. So there's no one way for you to get into it. And we can go into the, the ways that are very typical or general or just the easiest ways. But anybody with the desire to learn how to uh, build the technology personally for themselves to use it is free to do so. Some people are very, very, very privacy focused. So they build or they use these quote unquote wallets that we talked about or these applications that are very focused on keeping their identity and the way they use it, the way they spend it very private. Because mm. like I said, that there's these, you know, these tens of thousands of computers that have a public ledger of every transaction. Well, there's ways, especially when you try to buy it from, you know, a bank, because some banks sell Bitcoin. It's like Coinbase is a big company that sells Bitcoin. But when you buy it, you have to give them your personal identifying information. So once you make that first initial purchase that's tied to your your identity, like literally you have to send them a, a, a picture of your driver's license, now they can follow every transaction you've ever made and know everything you're doing. Unless you are creative and very privacy focused, you can use mm. these technologies that obfuscate the transaction history so that it keeps you completely private. Or you can buy Bitcoin without using one of these giant companies that takes your identity and nobody knows your initial purchase and then all the transactions that are subsequent to that. Um, so that, that's why it's you know very intriguing to some of the people. But the, the general way that most people buy it is they go to uh, a company like Swan, which me and Mike work for. And Swan uh, enables people to um, purchase a little bit, a lot, every day, every month. You can automate it so it just like buys five dollars, ten dollars. So it's like the Swan app. Yeah. So like you said, like the the price is very volatile. So if you buy ten dollars a day, some days you're buying it at a low price, some days you're buying it at a high price, some days you're buying it, you know, at a ah. medium price. And so you're getting a a much more smooth um, value for the dollars you're exchanging for it on that regular basis some people get you know a million dollars because of you know a big payout at work or something that they've done and they just buy it all at once it's, so it's okay so you want so the in the game like mm -hmm. i just put it in these terms because this is the way my brain works i'm like never belittling by the way um in the game <laughs> the purpose of the game is to get bitcoin yes because you because it's always good to have. So if you have this $10 a day game, what changes is how much Bitcoin you get for your $10, but but you with your focus on the value of dollars know that you're paying your $10 a day. It reminds me of like when the NPR DJs are like, 
how much is NPR worth to you? Is it worth the price of your cup of morning coffee? And I'm like, whoa, I guess it is. And I, <laughs> I, could, I could give Radiolab 25 cents a day. I lose 25 cents a day in my dryer. Like, you know, like, okay, anyway, so that's like the context. But so you're, you're like, I could give Bitcoin 25 cents a day. But meanwhile, the 25 cents buys me more Bitcoin today and less tomorrow and so much more on Thursday. And and yes. then I can just know that I'm playing the game, the purpose of the game to be to get the Bitcoin. Yes. Okay. 100%. So now I want to go to London where my best friend lives, which I can never afford to do because I have a thousand dollars at a time for my life. Um, and I've been playing the Bitcoin game. How do I, how do I, what, like, yeah, how do I go to So, London? for example, uh, are you familiar with Cash App? Or yes. Venmo? Are you yes. Venmo? Yes. In Venmo or Cash App, you can, with, like, two button clicks, just exchange Bitcoin for dollars. So, if you want to purchase a plane ticket for $1,000 and you have $2,000 of Bitcoin, you just exchange that $1,000 worth into dollars and then you move it to whichever bank account you have connected to your app. And then you So is it the game where you're like, oh my God, I just got a notification from Swan that suddenly I have enough Bitcoin to buy this ticket, gonna buy it today. Is it like that game? Yeah, you can do that. Now, sometimes you might, you know, it's probably not a plane ticket, but there might be something that you can just buy directly with Bitcoin. So you don't even have to exchange it for dollars. And so when you're in a place like El Salvador where you can, I can go to a bar and just scan my code for a beer, then you can do that. Until you get to the point where you can pay with whatever option you want, you have to do an extra click to convert it to dollars. And that way you have the money you need to um, pay for the service or the good that you want. But because it's digital, um, and because most of our payments on a daily basis are digital instead of actually using physical cash, you know, it's just click, click, and you've got what you need. Yeah. Uh, and if Bitcoin is on a trend of going up in value, which sometimes it is, uh, you, you might be more inclined to just hold it and use the dollars you already have to pay for something. And if Bitcoin's going down in trend like it is right now, then you might be more inclined to buy more of it and then uh -huh. and be like, all right, I got and then dollars. I can buy more Bitcoin now. It just depends. You know, every day it's different. And it's you can pay a whole lot of attention to it, or you can pay just a little bit of attention to it. But if you So okay, so then enters the other part where it's spiritual, <laughs> where if you put that um changeability into the soup that is like my worldview then you get a lot of like manifesting and like waiting for it to line up that just on the right day when i needed yeah. this to be happening the trend yeah. is going up and, and just so, yeah and the other spiritual side of it is depending how much you value it maybe you value it very little or maybe you value it, some people value it like extremely, like one of the most important things in their lives. And those people tend to live much simpler lives, much less consumerist lives, because every dollar that they would, or you know, whatever currency they use, 
they would spend on clothing or luxury items or they're just buying more big homes. They're not doing that anymore. They're oh. buying smaller houses. They're living in smaller, um, just using less physical resources in general because they're trying to spend as much as they can to buy as much Bitcoin as they can because it's a limited resource. That sounds so only twenty. That million. sounds twisted again. That doesn't right. sound very nice again. That sounds like money anxiety ruling your world again. Exactly. And that is, in some people's minds, that is a, a virtue. They, they simplified their lives and they're either consuming less things uh, to find some sort of virtue. Or you could look at it as they are limiting themselves due to money anxiety. Mm. Uh, and not living a full life and that and that's again like a spiritual side it just it depends on your perspective of what virtue is and how you approach what is it and yeah like mike was saying like i'm in a in a interesting place to experiment because i have no children and i have no one relying on me and and you know like it's just me deciding what you're gonna like, do my, like my money anxiety is just mine i'm not gonna like anyone else over by right right yeah yeah so it, it it depends what is good and what is bad like that's there really isn't an objective for that universally so what some people consider a negative some people consider a positive so it yeah, kind of, of has to align with your worldview to decide how your approach to money in general uh, affects you affects your family affects your community affects everything mm -hmm. yeah and you really you really have to rethink some of those things in the context of using bitcoin whereas dollars you know or the you know the currency of your local area is kind of a default mode where you're just maybe you don't think about that as often so a lot of people reinvent or rethink their relationship to money by discovering something that's a lot more predictable and a lot more set in stone okay um my friend, I asked my friend um, what are her Bitcoin questions, and she brought up this thing about um, it not being environmentally friendly. Okay. And I was like, should I ask? I was like, should I ask her? Should I ask you to elaborate on that? Or should I just? I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Bitcoin, we talked about mining. Yeah. We talked about the, the loud computer. So the way that Bitcoin transactions are processed and then subsequently the way that new Bitcoin are created is due to a competing network of computers around the world that run um, and they have to run a certain amount of cycles which requires energy from the electrical outlet which comes from a coal plant, nuclear plant, a solar plant, whatever. So a lot, all that energy has a, a cost of converting one of those fossil fuels or renewables fuels to power it. 
So the Bitcoin network uses less than 1%, less than a fraction of 1% of global energy, but there's like a, a headline that is very common. It does use more energy than the nation of the entire country of Argentina, the entire country of mm -hmm. Sweden combined. So that's a lot of energy. Uh, and then just powering computers with electricity. Powering computers, right. However, um, so yeah, that's a lot of energy and there's a limited amount of energy existing on the planet. Uh, so that is energy that could have been otherwise used by somebody else, for example, you know, theoretically. So in that sense, someone could see that and see those numbers and see that um, reality and say that this is harmful to the environment. And sure, maybe that is a perspective. But if you put it into the context that it is a very limited, I mean, it's less than, like I said, a fraction of 1%, but also most of the energy that it's used is what we call, um, would be wasted energy. So mm. every time there's an oil field, a gas field, a coal plant, a nuclear plant, solar you know, farm, a wind farm, that energy that it creates um, it can't be yeah. sold, especially the renewables like solar and, and wind, because it only creates it when there's wind or when there's solar power. Mm -hmm. And if there's nobody buying that energy in like a market, a, a grid, it's, uh, wasted. It, it's wasted. So, and, but that so also the number of wasted energy, the, yeah. the, the number of wasted energy is a number that is comparable to the number of Bitcoin energy. So actually, the number of wasted energy is significantly higher. Mm, sad. Because, because Bitcoin uh, is very costly to, to generate, to get those new Bitcoins, the incentive for all of these mining networks, at least at a global scale, is to find the cheapest energy, not the most abundant energy necessarily. So they go to these places, and this is a really good example. So in the United States, especially like in the middle, like South Dakota and some of these, they have these oil fields and a byproduct of the oil they're um, producing creates natural gas and it's methane. And methane, just because they have nothing to do with it, they can't sell it. There's no pipeline that they can hook up to. They just flare the methane into the environment. And methane is literally the worst um, uh, gas that you can put into the environment. It heats up the environment extreme, much more than carbon dioxide even. So instead of flaring that, these miners are going to these oil fields and they're hooking up the, mm. uh, the miners directly to the flare and they're burning that, that methane mm. to power the Bitcoin miners so that methane is no longer flared into the environment. Or they go to these, um, these grids where they have like a lot of solar and, and, and wind farms and it it's making the investment into the solar and wind farms more profitable because when those solar and wind farms have that energy and nobody's buying it, they just lose money. So basically what you're saying is the people in power of Bitcoin have the best interests of things like things that will benefit the people, aka the I planet. Wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it that way. I would, I would say they have the best interests. I would say that their incentives of making money align uh, with things that benefit the planet. They're not necessarily thinking about how they want to benefit the planet. 
it just but their creativity their creativity is, is incentivized to right. find these wasted energy where these people aren't making money who are creating the energy they're going to them and they're saying, hey, I know you're wasting all this and you're not making money off of it. Well, now you can make money off of it if you let us hook this up. And that so, just has a benefit overall, even though that's not necessarily what they're... So in the same way that it is, like, perfect that greed will grow the value of people money... <laughs> Greed, greed by power. I'm trying to make it into like a perfect oh, exactly. sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is perfect that uh, greed by people in power will can't help but generate the growing of the money that is beneficial to the people. With that as a model, is there anything as perfect that you can? Yeah. Exactly. draw between like kind of what you just said like is yeah, it yeah, that yeah. perfect <laughs> will it always no, yeah. so, will yeah. the bitcoin machine always go eat the methane yes so think about but, the fact that these the people in power the elites whatever the political groups they are willing to pollute the planet because yeah. it makes them so much money to do so in that process well, yeah. what so all that pollution is essentially this wasted inefficient energy so what the bitcoin mining network is doing is it's going to where all this waste and pollution is happening and it's saying we know you're going to waste all of this energy and pollute the planet to make money we're going to take all that waste and pollution and we're going to yeah. turn it into to money and profit for everybody else because we're give, yeah we're going to because their core system the is but they, like I'm trying to make it as perfect. Like they will always be that way. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you well, incentive, that, incentives align with that, you know, like to always be that way. So because the, Bitcoin uh, facilitators uh, need to be thrifty because they will never have access to enough capital to not be thrifty. Is that the answer? Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. So instead of being the victims of all this waste, they're now the people are now the beneficiaries of all this waste. So as all of these groups are destroying the environment for profit, yeah, all of that destruction is now being turned into, you know, it's not. It's not even destruction anymore. They're reversing yeah. the destruction. No, I I get it, but what what I'm I I totally get it, and it's beautiful. What I'm trying yeah. to build. And my question to you is, is why is it guaranteed? Which maybe it's not. Maybe that's the answer. It's why is it guaranteed that the Bitcoin facilitators will always need to eat the waste? Yeah. So it's not guaranteed. But it's as not guaranteed. Long, as long as greed over, you know, greed in the at the expense of everybody else is the motive. For people who are producing oil, gas, energy of any kind, as long there as will always be waste. Through, I see. You're saying there will always, always as long as there is greed, there will always be waste. Yes. And waste will always be findable for people who have figured out that waste can fuel them. Yes. It will always be Got the it. way to convert waste into perfect efficiency, or not perfect, but towards perfect efficiency. 
I guess are we, are you guys an hour? An hour is are we should? Is it, um, to be no. perfectly honest, I'm 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 fading very quickly. <laughs> if you have any more important questions, I have. Well, okay. I so the reason I asked we're done is because I have a sort of like wrap it up vision that I wonder yeah. if yeah. there if it exists. Um. So okay. So greed means that Bitcoin will always increase in value, and Greed means there will always, always be waste. And if we eat waste, um, we make more Bitcoin. Yay, all of this is beautiful um, uh, machine of positivity. Um, but if if we get to the point where Bitcoin, where it's only Bitcoin and there is no relationship back to the currency, what does that world look like? Because you're, you don't have the greed machine anymore. It's just working. And maybe this is too long of a question for fading. No, 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 that's a good question. And I don't know if there's a great answer to it. My answer would be that the if, if Bitcoin is the only money, for example, that would mean that nobody any longer has that advantage of that elite status because the elite status essentially if you buy into this argument, comes from that control of the money and resources. And if you have that control, whether it's through yeah. legal policy, through just brute force to kill somebody if they try to get the threat. So greed, greed will just be like a myth. The, the people of Bitcoin land will think back on a time when, when greed once existed. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think okay. that it just, I just think that the way that it manifests itself into value will change so it's uh, there will always be greed but bitcoin because you cannot use it differently it, everybody plays by the same rules so your greed will have to align anything you do for a greedy or self-serving purpose will have to benefit everybody else because you can't interact with it in, a, in, a, in an advantageous in an advantageous way at the expense of other people and so greed will not ever go away there's no way you're going to get rid of human mm. uh, uh, greed but uh, bitcoin will have a fixed value because there won't be it won't be relating yeah, back to currency it, it will force people to be greedy but only in a way whether they are intending it or not that it's beneficial to others the way that you know some people are very, they love capitalism. Some people hate capitalism. But the way that, you know, it's, you know, the way that people wrote about what capitalism should be the, versus the way that it's actually manifest in society yeah. is very different. The way that it's written that it should be, which is never ever takes place, is that any, any action that's self-serving or greedy, quote unquote, won't work should benefit everybody else but that's not yeah. how it actually works if you control the rules to benefit yourself so it would just force people to anything they do that is you know like take amazon the company jeff bezos mm -hmm. amazon has made him a lot of money at the expense of a lot of people but in a lot of senses amazon does make all of our lives easier if you just want to buy something and quickly have it delivered for relatively low cost. Mm -hmm. it, it could be more fair 
and it's very unfair. Jeff Bezos makes a lot of money. Under a Bitcoin standard, it would be much, much more fair. He would still make a lot of money, but it would not be to the exploitation of so many people. It would be more beneficially spread out, theoretically. But that's not guaranteed because I don't know how the future will play out. I feel like next time, or you can write me an email where you can explain using the Amazon metaphor exactly yeah. how that would work. Because I hear you, but um, Mike has gone to bed. So I feel like oh, that's... Oh. <laughs> Normally I'm the one that's tired. because I'm, I, I thought I was going to be tired because I told Mike I go no, to bed no, no. at 7. I'm just, I'm feeling sick. That's all. I'm feeling sick. Oh, you're still sick? <laughs> no, I'm feeling sick. Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. No worries. No, but you had great questions and that. I would not feel, you, you kept saying, like, I don't want to, like, belittle it. No. Ask as honestly as possible because a lot, it's still a very thing that people don't really understand. And I don't care if people are asking questions um, in a way that... That's my favorite thing. I, I want to go on every podcast of things that I know nothing about and ask questions. It's my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, cool. Right. I'm going to cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Bye.